0: Well, hey, good morning. Welcome to Eastgate Church. My goodness, y'all are looking good today. My goodness gracious. Hey, let's give God a big praise and say hello to our online audience. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If y'all would, always remember to hit that like button and that share button so we can reach as many people as we possibly can. My goodness, it is great to be back hanging out with you guys this Sunday. My goodness gracious, I can tell you from experience now, COVID is... Not fun. It is not fun, but I'm over that stuff, praise God, and I'm here to bring you a word today. Uh, We're gonna continue our series in the book of Galatians, and I'm telling you right now, Galatians is a powerful book in the Bible. Paul is just dealing with all kinds of business. He's dealing with all kinds of stuff in this book. He's, he's setting the record straight and he's letting people know about the purity of what Jesus did for them. He's dissing religion and lifting up what is actually an authentic relationship with Jesus. Those are two completely different things, by the way. Um, he's setting the record straight on who people are in Christ and who they are not. He points out things that could rob us of our identity things that could set us free, what freedom really means. Galatians is just a powerful book of the Bible, and and I love hearing the stories of what God has been doing in people's lives through this series. Man, God has just been showing some people a great revelation of who they are. People are stepping out into callings, their giftings, and seeing just doors open so they can step into dreams that God has been putting in their heart for years, and I'm so excited to see all that happening, and I'm so glad that you guys are here today. If you got your Bibles or your your tablets or your devices, open them up to the book of Galatians chapter 5 and put your finger there for a second. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody in here ever had your identity stolen? Anybody ever had your identity stolen? Anybody ever get a hold of a debit card number or a credit card number? Is that not the worst thing ever? It is the most aggravating thing. I had that happen to me a couple of times. I remember one time it happened to me. I went out to check the mail, just like any other day. And I opened the mailbox and I looked inside and I had this little notice. It was a notice because I had missed a court appearance that I didn't know I needed to be at because I got a ticket that I didn't know that I had gotten. I was like, what in the world is going on? And I looked at this thing, and I I was looking at the the paperwork, and I saw the make and model of the vehicle, and I was like, oh, snap. I know who this is. It was a relative of mine. It's a relative of mine. I said, what is going on? So I made a phone call. I was like, what's going on with this? And what had happened was, they were riding around in this vehicle with a friend of theirs, and that friend of theirs was driving the vehicle and ran a stop sign. Whoop, whoop! Cop pulled him over, wrote the ticket. The driver of the vehicle didn't have an ID. So my relative, in order to help save extra ticketing, told the pers- told the officer that the person driving was me and vouched for him, And for some reason, the officer just went, well, okay, that's good enough for me. Let me just write this out. And, and I get the, notif- the, the notice in the mail. I was like, are you kidding me? So I had to call the police department, and I go in, and I get to talk to a detective who is so into my story, by the way. Let me tell you, oh yeah, it was somebody else? Okay, that, I've never heard that one before, you know? I was like, good grief, man. So I had to sign my signature, with my right hand 10 times, with my left hand 10 times to show that it didn't match the signature that was on the ticket that the guy got, you know, and all this stuff. And there was this big hubbub for about 30 days and finally the city dismissed the ticket and it was no big deal. But man, what an aggravation. You know what I mean? To have somebody steal your identity is probably one of the most frustrating things. You know, millions of people every year in our country have their identity stolen. I would say more than that, though, in the church, allow their identity to be stolen by others and by the enemy and by situations and circumstances in life. I think too often we sit by and we're just too passive with what happens and we allow ourselves to be labeled with things that aren't true about us. And they limit what we can do. They limit who we are. They limit what God can do in and through us. They put a cap on our spiritual journey. And I'm here to tell you today, I believe that God is going to take some labels off of people and set some people free today. And today, some of us are going to step into the fullness of who we are and step out of the lie that the enemies tried to sell you about who you are in Christ. One person's excited about that. Hey, one person, y'all better buckle up. We're going to have some fun today. Let's, let's just practice one more time. I know different churches have different, different cultures and different things. Like, around here, man, we get rowdy. Around here, we get into the Word of God. Around here, we get passionate and excited because the Word of God changes our lives. Can anybody give me an amen on that today? Okay. All right. So... Identity theft is this big thing. And so Paul begins to write to this church in Galatia, and he begins to deal with this issue. And he says in Galatians 5, 1, he says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Don't let anybody put something on you that you've walked out of. Don't let somebody try to label you by something that's happened in your past. That's who you were. That's not who you are now. That may be what you did, but that's not who you are. Who you are is a new creation in Christ. Amen? So he says, don't let anybody put the slavery stuff on you. Again, in Ephesians 4, verse 24, kind of echoes this. He says, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So he says, hey... Put on your true nature. Put on who God made you to be. Don't let anybody else put anything on you that is contradictory to that. Don't let anybody drag you back into a lifestyle that God set you free from. Don't let anybody speak negativity over you and let those words stick. Pretty much what he's saying is put on spiritual Teflon so that nothing sticks to you. You know, life tries to throw some stuff at you. And people are really good at jumping on board and trying to, you ever have somebody try to label you? Ever somebody try to to tell you that you were something that you know that you're not? Or people, like you're trying to make changes in your life and step into a new season and there's always those people that are there to remind you of what you're stepping out of, trying to get to, you know? Um, My goodness gracious, let that stuff roll right off of you like Teflon. Side note, nothing sticks to Teflon What makes Teflon stick to the pans? You know what I mean? That's got to be some kind of crazy super-duper super glue. So I I wrote down a few things to talk about today, just things that commonly steal our identity. Because it's one thing to know who you are in Christ. It's a completely different thing to live it out on a daily basis. I know a whole lot of stuff, but I don't always apply that stuff that I know. Understand, there's a difference between knowing and applying, and a lot of times we let some stuff come in and rob us of our identity. First one, I think, is a big one, is um, our personal issues. Our personal issues. I think sometimes we focus a lot on the things that we're processing through, and we lose sight of the stuff that we've stepped out of, understand? Like, we focus a lot on our failures, but overall, I think sometimes we're really bad about celebrating our victories in life. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Man, mean, God's done a lot of stuff in you. God's done a lot of stuff in me, and I think sometimes we get in the middle of this journey that we're on, and we look, at the standard of the Word of God, and we look at everything we're trying to obtain, and we look at everything that we're trying to grow into, and we see sometimes how we don't measure up to that, that we forget to look back over our shoulder for just a second and look at all the stuff that God has brought us out of all the stuff that he set us free from, and we might not be in the fullness of who he's calling us to be, but we're absolutely nothing like that person that we used to be, you understand? We get frustrated sometimes because we have flashes of anger, but we forget about the bitterness and the rage and the brokenness and the hurt that God set us free from. You're just dealing with a small symptom, but God has cut the root out of this stuff spiritually. I think we need to celebrate a little bit more instead of... Of being frustrated. Don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you're never going to be enough. Look back and look at what the Lord has brought you from. I think we can celebrate a little bit this morning. Has he healed you? Has he restored you? Has he set you free? Are you going to hell today? He's done so much in our lives. Let's give God some more praise for what he's done in our lives. Let's celebrate the victory. Celebrate the victories, and don't get so frustrated over our personal issues. We've all got issues. Look at the person next to you. Say, hey, you got issues. I love doing that because some people have way more fun doing that than others. (laughs) You got issues. I got issues. We're all works in progress, you know. This is why I love this passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 1. I love this. He says, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Yeah, we're not there yet, but guess what? He's still working on us. He's still working on us. Now, think about this. The God that created this earth, the God that said to the oceans, you go this far and no further, the God that spoke this universe into existence, who set the patterns of the orbits and the boundaries of those orbits, all the planets that you see, all the stars in the sky, the very God that spoke all of that into creation. Don't look at me and tell me that the God that did all that isn't capable of finishing the work that he started in you. He is more than able to finish that work. The key is we got to get close to him. We got to get close to him. He's the one that started it. He's the one that's going to finish it. Okay. That means a lot of it has to do with him. A lot of times we try to do stuff on our own and we get frustrated. That's why we focus on our issues because we're trying to change ourselves from the outside in. But Jesus is in the business of changing us from the inside out. And it only works if you get close to him and let him do that work inside of you. Amen? So don't get frustrated with what you see. Know that he's working inside of you. And don't let your issues define who you are. Amen? All right? Issues are issues. It might be what you do, but it's not who you are. Who you are is a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, the second thing I think that robs a lot of people is others' opinions. Yeah. Others' opinions. Man, people just got to have something to say, don't they? Gotta have something to say. Look at Pastor Josh wearing that cute little jacket up there on the stage. Yeah. And have his shirt tucked in. He's trying to be all cool and stuff. Who does he think he is? Don't he know he's over 40? What the heck? What the heck? Hey, this is comfortable. I want to be comfortable, man. People always got something to say. Always got something to say always got an opinion. Always got an opinion. I got a word for you. God created you. All right? Not those people that talk. So don't let someone that didn't create you label you. You understand? Man, God created you. God put that dream in your heart. God put that calling on your life. God gave you the gifts that you have. God gave you everything that makes you uniquely you. Don't you apologize to one person for being who God created you to be. You keep marching on, and you let their opinions drop like bird crap, okay? Don't you worry about it. You be who God called you to be. In the name of Jesus, be who God called you to be. Now, I'm not talking about being arrogant or being nonchalant, saying, I got to do me. You can't be judging me. That's not what I'm talking about. But there's a confidence that comes from knowing who you are and who God created you to be. And nobody else has the right to put a label on that except the creator himself. And it's funny sometimes how those things will mess with us. Um, When you think of King David, You probably think of him like I do. David was a bad dude. David was a man's man. All right, anybody that can take out a lion and a bear? (laughs) There's always one in the crowd. He took out a lion and a bear. That's a man. He dropped Goliath. All right, slung that stone, hit him in the forehead. Goliath dropped to the ground. Then David went and took the dude's own sword and cut off his head. That's gangster. I'm just telling you right now. And David did a bunch of stuff like that. David was a man's man. But David, when you look at Scripture, had issues with dealing with the opinions of other people, especially his family. You now, the Bible says that you train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they won't depart from it. I love that scripture. It's a foundational scripture in our household, and we do our best to lay the foundation in our children's life, knowing that the seeds that we're sowing will bear fruit later on in their life. But this is a solid principle in scripture, but the gate swings both ways on this. Yeah. You understand? We focus on the good, but sometimes we ignore the negative on this. Listen, sometimes family can sow some negative seeds into our spirits that carry over when we're old. And departing from that sometimes takes a moment where the Spirit of God sets us free. And David was coming out of an issue like that. Like if you just look in, we're just going to skim over some scriptures. Look in 1 Samuel chapter 16 starting at verse 10. So. Samuel, the prophet, has gone out to look for the new king of Israel. He's tasked by God to anoint the new king of Israel with oil, set him apart, and say, you are the one. So Samuel's going out to this guy named Jesse's house, where the Lord told him to go. First 10, it says, Jesse had seven of his sons, passed before Samuel... But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And Jesse says, oh, they're still the youngest. Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. Samuel says, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. It's crazy. The prophet shows up and says, bring your sons here. The Lord's told me to anoint one of them. He's going to show me who that one is. They're going to be the new king of Israel. Samuel brings seven of his eight sons. David wasn't even an afterthought. Jesse said, These are the candidates. It's got to be one of these. There's no way it can be that pathetic little son of mine, David, who's out there watching the sheep. It's crazy, huh? Completely overlooked. Praise God that when people overlook us, he doesn't. You know what I mean? So so Samuel says, okay, uh, the candidate is not here. Uh, Send for him, and ain't nobody sitting down until he gets here. I love that. And then if you skip on later on in life, now David's been anointed king over Israel. He's been set apart from the rest of his family. David is special. David is called David is gifted now. David is anointed for this position. And his family doesn't give a rip. 1 Samuel 17, verse 17 says, Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp and Israel is drawing battle lines with the Philistines and Goliath is coming out and doing all the smack talking that he's been doing. So Jesse sends his son David to take supplies to his other brothers who are in those battle lines and take along these 10 cheeses to the commanders of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. This is not something you send your son to do. This is something you send a servant to do anointed king, called out, and David's dad doesn't give a rip. He's still treating him the same way. He still sees him the same way. And David gets there, and he starts to talk to his brothers. In verse 28 of chapter 17, says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here, and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? Burn. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. That disrespect in that tone, his, how his family is talking to him. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Man, it's just horrible when people assume that they know your motives and your heart. You came on, down here only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done? David says, can't I even speak? Crazy. Disrespected by his dad, disrespected by his brothers. Already anointed king over Israel. You know what's crazy is that David kind of dealt with these issues later on in life. He kills Goliath. He runs from Saul spends all those years dodging Saul, trying to kill him. He finally steps into becoming king over Israel. And it's not until after all of that happens, and David is king for a period of time, that in 2 Samuel it actually says, then David perceived he was king. There's a difference between being called and walking in that calling. Is it possible that the words spoken, that the labels assigned, that the history with his family kept David up until that moment from really seeing himself the way God saw him? Don't let the opinions of others hold you back. Don't let them hold you back. Because here's what I know about people. People will try to project their frustration and failures on you. Anytime you try to take a stand and do something new, become something new, make a positive change in your life, there's going to be that group of haters that are going to look at you and try to be the weight around your ankles, and they're going to project everything that they're too afraid to do onto you. All the failures that they see in their lives onto you. All of that hesitation and doubt, onto you. Don't you let that stuff stick on you. You be who God called you to be. Do not let the opinions of other people hold you back and rob you of who God says that you are. Man, we serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God. Let them talk. You don't have to listen to them. Everybody that's got a voice doesn't have to be listened to. You understand? You can turn that page and then move on. You know, sometimes it's good to get a new set of friends. Sometimes it's good to get a new inner circle that's going to build you up and point you in the right direction. Amen? I want people around me that are going to encourage me and hold me accountable and keep me spiritually sharp. All those people that want to talk smack and stay in yesterday can do that. I'm moving on into who God said I could be in the name of Jesus. We serve a God that transforms and changes. He transforms and changes. We serve a God that can take Abram and make him Abraham. We serve a God that can take Jacob and make him Israel. We serve a God that can take Simon and turn him into Peter. We serve a God that can take Saul and make him a Paul. Don't you think for a second that God can't transform you and make you from who you used to be into who he's calling you to be. In the name of Jesus, shake all of that off and don't let people rob you of who God says that you are. In the name of Jesus. Thirdly, I think our experiences, our experiences can rob us. Our experiences can rob us. I think sometimes we spend so long in one season that we let that season define our future. Seasons have a beginning and seasons have an end. And new seasons start when the old seasons end. Don't let your future be defined by an old season. Don't let your future be limited by what's in your past. Mistakes that you've made, mistakes that others have made, hard times that you've gone through, failures that you've seen. I see people in church a lot and man, they shout and they say amen. They say hallelujah. And, and they, they talk big game and they talk about what God is doing in them and what they believe God is going to do in the future. But if you look on the inside of them, what you see is a museum. It's full of relics from the past. And I want to look good on the outside, but on the inside. Just monuments of this and that and this and that. <clears throat> Don't be that way. Now, Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples at one time, he said, Hey, in this world you're going to have trouble. Yeah. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And I found that what Jesus said is absolutely true. You're going to face some trouble. I remember standing in the living room of our house. It was empty. Everything packed up on the truck, moving out, as we had lost the home. We lost the home because business had dropped off sharply in the area. And we just couldn't keep up with the payments anymore. In moments like that, you, know, you start to ask like, honest questions. Oh, so, Lord, what's going on? put you first. I'm doing ministry and running a business, and now this business is falling apart. i paying my tithes. We always ask those one-word questions. Why? how this happened. What did I do to deserve it? We make the move from the house, lose it, get into a rental place. It actually ends up being a little bit better than the one that we moved from. Cheaper, a lot cheaper. And, uh, business didn't pick up in the state. So I had to start taking work out of state. I'd go in and do remodels on homes and restoration on homes. Paint a lot. Painted a lot of houses. (laughs) When work in Georgia dried up, I had to go to Alabama and Tennessee and other states, which meant long commutes and nights away from home. And it was just not a fun season at all. And I found myself at a place in life where trying to take care of my family and traveling, I had less time to invest into ministry and the church. Well, as people do sometimes, they interpret situations the wrong way. Ever wonder why people just don't ask sometimes instead of jumping to the wrong conclusion and assigning the wrong motivations? And so now it's Pastor Josh isn't at the church as much. Well, there's got to be something wrong with his heart. There's got to be something wrong with his commitment level. And so a small group of leaders in the church thought it would be fun to start throwing me under the bus. Now, not everyone did, but a small group. You know what? Sometimes all it takes is a small group so traveling, long days, long nights, missing my family, dealing with this junk. Well, business starts to pick back up. Kelly gets pregnant. And I think, ah, we're finally turning the season on this sucky season. Just turning the corner on this sucky season. Things are starting to click. I'm able to be in church more. The peanut gallery starting to get a little bit quiet, you know. And several months into her pregnancy, go in for a checkup, and she's on the table, and they got the little ultrasound thing there, you know, walk in, and we're all, I'm all smiles, she's all smiles, and I noticed the workers just got this real distressed look on her face, and I put two and two together, and I say, where's the heartbeat?" prayed for people and seen them healed from cancer. I've prayed for people and seen ears open up. I've prayed for people and seen them get out of wheelchairs. I've seen God heal time and time again. I stood in that office with tears streaming down my eyes and I begged God to breathe life back into my child. And he chose not to. And when stuff like that happens, everybody talks about how awesome God is. And everybody talks about how he'll see you through the seasons and see you through the valleys. and, And he does. And he will every time. But it sucks. It hurts. And I remember standing there comforting my wife after the fact at home. And I remember thinking, God, I, we just lost the business. We just lost the house. We, we finally, I, I'm dealing with all this criticism and junk trying to serve you and looking these people in the eyes that I know have said horrible things about me and assassinated my character while they lift their hands and praise you. I've navigated all of that stuff to land here and have you deny me this. And if you're not careful, you'll let moments like that define you. You'll let the experiences of life limit you. Now, Kelly and I went through a period of time where we had to heal, and I'm not going to tell you that it was awesome. It was not fun, there's a lot of questions. But my God was faithful to answer every one of them, and my God was faithful to heal. And restore. And my God was faithful to let what was a horrible experience in my life be turned into something beautiful. And He created a testimony of His restoration and His faithfulness. Sometimes life sucks. Sometimes you go through storms. And sometimes you face the trouble that he says that you're going to face. But the constant truth is this, that he is always faithful. That even in every pain, he is right there beside you to give strength and healing and comfort. Mm -hmm. And he does not turn his back on his children. Don't let your experiences rob you. The truth of who God says that you are. going it put you on the sideline. It, Ephesians chapter 3 is a beautiful passage of scripture. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's the God that we serve. Not limited by our experiences and our issues. Not limited by what people say and their opinions. Not limited by our experiences in life. But to take all of that and somehow do Make something beautiful out of something so ugly. To be working through that to take us to the other side where he works all things for the good of those who love him. Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. That's the God that we serve. Judy, could you help me for just a second? Do you mind coming up here and being an example? Too many times we live our lives like this. Come on up here. And we let... We let our issues, we let what people say, we let the stuff that's happened to us form these walls around us in life. So... You got a wall here, you've got a wall here. You've got a wall here. There's a wall behind you. And these things box us in. So the floor is underneath you. You've got a lid on top. Now you're in a box from all of life's hindrances, from all of this stuff keeping you from who God said you could be and robbing you of the freedom that God gives you're in the box there's no way to get out of the box get out of the box what did she do she stepped out of the box You know why she stepped out of the box? Because it was never there in the first place. It was never there in the first place. Thank you. We let ourselves get limited by stuff that has no power over us. We let voices control us that have no control over us. We let experiences limit us that have no right to limit us. We let voices from relatives and parents and things from the past hold us back, and they have no hold. The Bible says that those that are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I feel the presence of God in this place. Some of us need to step out of a box today. Some of us need to step out of a box today. Let's all stand to our feet if we can. Father, speak to our hearts. Let every wall come down. Lord, I thank you that I know you've already been speaking. Lord, let your people respond. Let your spirit do his work. If you're here today and you know you need to step out of a box, I'm gonna open these altars right now. I want you to come down to the front. I want you to come out on the front. I want you to step out of your seat, out of your row. And I want you to come down to this altar on the count of three. Step out of that box. Step into who God has called you to be. Step out of those voices. Step out of those issues. Step out of the limitations. And let God do in you what he set to do in you today. Don't worry about what anybody else is doing. This is for you. This is for you. Here we go. Freedom's one step away. Step out of the box. One, two, three. Come on up. Come on up. There's people already up here. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't worry. Don't look at anybody else. This is for you. This is for you right now. Step out of that box. Step out of that. It doesn't matter what it is. Step out of it. Step out of it. Step out of that addiction, step out of that past, step out of that sin, step out of the box, step out of the pain, step out of the disappointment, step out of the hindrances, step out of the lies, step out of the manipulation of other people, step out of the opinions of the past, step out of the opinions of your family, and you take a stand and step out of the box and become who God says that you could be. Step out of this box today. Praise God for what he's doing in this place right now.